Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of the Believe in USMNT podcast. And today we've got a fun one. We've got USA Mexico coming up in this set of World Cup qualifiers. We take on Jamaica in Jamaica after that. Additionally, we have the U20 Revelations Cup, which is the start of the U20 cycle. And it's an exciting roster that I would like to talk about where we have a dual national, an exciting dual national uh, with the U20 team there. And then we also have dual national team news with the men's national team that I'll get into at some point in this episode as well. All right, so it's game week. We've got USA-Mexico coming up this Friday in Cincinnati, Ohio. And it's an exciting game. Uh, Mexico's missing a few of their players. Of course, the U.S. men's national team are missing a few of their players, Gio Reyna being the key man. Uh, But thankfully, Christian Pulisic has returned. With the roster, of course, coming out uh, since our last episode, I'd like to discuss that just a little bit. It's a 25-man roster this time around, and there was one particular big exclusion. Uh, And then we have a few other players that, of course, some fans would have wanted to see. Uh, The big exclusion is John Brooks, who has admitted himself after not making the roster that he has not been in his best run of form, which I think is fair. I think that's both in the U.S. men's national team and Wolfsburg shirt. However, it does seem a little crazy that if that's the reasoning for him not making the roster, we do see a couple of the other players on the roster. Um, mainly, I'd like to say I think Luca Del Torre should have made the roster, and I think there's a few players in this uh, group of midfielders that he probably could have made the roster over. Uh, Sebastian Legette hasn't even been getting crazy minutes for the U.S. men's national team lately. And I don't want to nitpick, right, the, the 25th, the 24th guy on the roster, but... Uh, say we're down a goal to Mexico, we're chasing a goal, maybe we're chasing the win, right? Maybe we're dominating and towards the end of the game we're chasing the win, we're chasing the three points. I don't want to see Sebastian Lejet come on the field. I don't think he's going to be the spark that could provide the goal. Whereas I think bring Luca De La Torre on the field, I think you have the chance to bring on that creative spark. Um, in Greg's eyes, are either of these guys uh, even ahead of Busio right now? Who's to tell? Would Busio be the guy to come on the field? In any case, who's to tell? But what if Busio goes down? What if Musa or McKinney get hurt? I just think it's wise. I think for sure right now, Luca De La Torre should be ahead of Sebastian Lejet. Uh And why he's in the camp, right? Maybe it is for some sort of, um, you know, maybe he has that relationship with Greg where it helps to bring a player like him into camp. But in a, in a world where we're able to bring more than 25 players, it seems very silly to me um, to not bring DLT. And that's, uh, I don't I don't even mean to bash on the jet. I know that's how this podcast is pretty much open. But the, the highlight of what I'm trying to say here is De La Torre should be in the squad based on how he's performing and based on how he has performed in the minutes he's gotten for the U.S. men's national team. And to think that a player like Brooks can be left out because he's in a bad run of form. But some of the other players here uh, who have definitely gone through poor runs of form and some may not be in the best run of form heading into this camp are on the roster is definitely a little bit bewildering. But transitioning into something more positive, right? We are on, I believe, episode nine now. And in almost every single episode, you would have heard me said, or excuse me, say that Joe Scally should be with the U.S. men's national team. 
And this week, or this camp, we have gotten our wishes. After continuing to play well for Borussia Mönchengladbach, Joe Scali has finally made his first U.S. men's national team camp, which is really exciting. And we have Reggie Cannon. We have DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, of course, Dest is hurt. Uh, he's, like I said, we're missing a few players. Gio is one of the big ones. Dest is the other big name that will not be be with the U.S. men's national team t this time around. Excuse me. But Joe Scali uh, is a good young player, of course. We've said this. And I think... I, I would assume Greg might go with Yedlin for that first game with, uh, of course, against Mexico at home. And then does he go Yedlin again? Does he trust Skelly? It's hard to read Greg sometimes. Of course, he's played so many young players, but there's also been times where he has opted for a bit of veteran experience. So uh, who does he prefer here? Is it Yedlin? Is it Skelly, who is in great form, but is yet to put on a, or a men's national team shirt? is to be seen, but it's really exciting that he's in camp. It's really exciting to see that Greg has remained in contact with him since the beginning of the season, if not probably prior, uh, and that he is continuing to perform well and is finally with the camp. Uh, I think that's a positive to see for sure. And then additionally, on the other side, uh, to be fair, Joe Scali has played on both the right and left uh, back positions this, this season early on due to injuries at Gladbach, but... At left back, Sam Vines has returned to the U.S. men's national team. Uh, no George Bellow this camp. Sam Vines, who broke his collarbone, I believe it was, or excuse me, collarbone earlier in the season. Um, he has returned from injury. He's been putting 90 minutes in for Royal Antwerp since returning, and I'm really excited to have him back. I think currently he's probably just better than George Bellow. Um, but it, it's good to see that Vines is healthy, and I do like that he is in the camp for sure. So like I say, with John Brooks out, I'll just run through the center backs. We've only got four this time around, which should be enough to get the job done in just two games. Um, like I mentioned, it's just a two-game window, whereas we've become accustomed to the three-game window. But the four center backs are Mark McKenzie, Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, and Walker Zimmerman. And I just saw earlier this morning, um, maybe just take note of it, Aaron Long is with the group just to, to sort of recover or continue his recovery. Um, but yeah, the four center backs, like I said, Zimmerman, McKenzie, Richards, and Miles Robinson. I would like to see, once again, Miles Robinson and Chris Richards. I think Mark McKenzie, who did play that Nations League final against Mexico, but was shaky in that game and just isn't getting the minutes at, in Belgium at the moment. Uh, again, it's very weird that Brooks can be left out for poor run of form. And Mark McKenzie, who has looked shaky in a few of his starts for the U.S. men's national team um, and isn't even getting many minutes in Belgium, can make the squad over him. Uh, I like Mark McKenzie. I think he, do, he does have a bright future. I think the club situation just isn't the best. We've discussed that on the podcast a bit previously. He was probably expecting to get more minutes this season, uh, hoping that one of the center backs or a pair of the center backs really at the club would have left this season. But I like him. I just think it's weird that currently... Greg would view him ahead of John Brooks, who even is uh, in poor form at the moment. And additionally, Anthony Robinson rounds out that, that group of defenders. Uh, and just to go backwards a little bit, Sean Johnson, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner are the keepers in this camp. Not too many surprises there, of course. Zach Steffen and Matt Turner being the top two, it'll be interesting to see how Greg kind of wants to go about using those two goalkeepers this time around in this window. 
Uh, and then moving forward, we have the midfielders, of course. I'll just run through those, and I'll sort of give some of my thoughts there. Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Jean-Luc Abusio, Sebastian Legette, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, and Christian Roldan. Now, like I said, I think Luca De La Torre should be here. I am excited to see Busio continuing to get called in by Greg. I think he keeps continuing to grow at Venezia, as we discussed on the last episode. Of course, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, those are guys you would 100% expect to see. And Kellen Acosta, who I'm not upset is in this camp at all. And then Sebastian Legette and Christian Roldan shape out that group. Uh, and are probably the two that I would least expect to see. Uh, Roldan might come off the bench. Uh, I would be shocked if Legette started either of the games. Uh, especially in a two-game window, I don't think Greg has to manage the minutes of these players as much. Moving forward, uh, we'll get into the Pulisic talk a little bit. But I think in the midfield group, I would like to see Adams for 180. I would like to see one of McKinney or Musa for 180. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure what the rotation is going to look like at the 8. Wouldn't be upset to see Busio start. I uh, would definitely not expect to see him start against Mexico, but maybe in that second game. Uh, of course, it's going to be a tight affair with Mexico, I'm sure. Maybe if you want to give rest to Wes or Eunice to start against Jamaica. Wouldn't be upset with Busio starting as an 8. Um, but I also wouldn't be shocked to see Greg sort of run out this McKenny Musa Adams uh, twice in a row, seeing as how it's only a two-game window. And then moving forward into the forwards group, We've got Brendan Aronson, Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira, Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, and Timothy Weah. So on the wings, we have Ariola, Aronson, Christian Pulisic, and Timothy Weah. Though Greg has said, um, seeing as how there's only six forwards, and Ferreira and Pepe will be mostly central, of course. He has said Timothy Weah can play central, which is something I've previously said on the podcast, and I know other U.S. men's national team fans have previously stated. I like his movement off the ball. I think it works well out wide. Uh, I think depending on sort of how much possession we're going to have of the ball is sort of what I would, you know, where I would fit Wea into the team. Of course, he's played wide for us, um, you know, throughout this window or throughout this cycle heading into the 2022 World Cup. Um, but yeah, I would be excited to see him play central, but I'm not sure if... Ricardo Pepe won't go the two games. What does he go 180? I'm not sure. Does he start both games? I wouldn't be surprised. And then Pepe's FC Dallas teammate Jesus Ferreira also sort of rounds out that attack. He has played two games for the U.S. men's national team. I'm sure many people will be familiar uh, with that game against Trinidad, excuse me, Trinidad and Tobago. He had two goals and three assists. Really impressive game from him in a 7-0 win. Of course, it was against a weak Trinidad. Uh, but just an exciting performance for the U.S. men's national team, and I'm a little excited we haven't seen him since. Uh, he's more of a... He's definitely not like Pepe. The two are able to play well together for FC Dallas. They complement each other well. Are they going to get the opportunity to play together uh, for the U.S. men's national team? I don't think so in this window. Um, but I'm not upset that he's with the U.S. men's national team. I think there are players, perhaps, I'm a little shocked, don't get called in. I know Sargent isn't scoring in in the Premier League right now, but I'm a little surprised to see him not even make these squads for Greg. Again, similar to the Brooks thing, um, I, I know they're not in their best run of form, but it's just a little surprising. If you, ha if you were to tell me that we would have gone into a camp uh, this summer, if you would have told me we would have gone to the November camp against Mexico without either of Sargent or Brooks making the squad with both healthy, I definitely would have been shocked. Um, so that's definitely something... You know, it's interesting that Greg is making these selections. 
Uh, and I'm not necessarily upset that he's making the big calls, right? I think fans want him to make big calls, right? They're complaining about his squad selection so much. And in order to change that up, he's going to he's gonna have to make some big calls. I'm just surprised to see players like Sargent and Brooks left out. But the good news is we do have Christian Pulisic back. Um, Brendan Aronson continued his good form with, with RB Salzburg recently. I'm excited to see those two. I'm expecting to perhaps see Pulisic and Aronson against Mexico. Wouldn't be surprised to see Pulisic and Weah. Um, but yeah, it, it's an exciting group. I, I think with these two games, we really have to not, you know, sort of be uh, nitpicking the bottom players. I think that's the important thing to note in this two-game window. Uh, and it's a little hypocritical, right? Because I was just talking so much about Sebastian Lejet. But my point was more so that De La Torre should be in the squad over him. Uh, and with a 25-man squad that is not limited to 25, I'm a little surprised not to see both. Though, I'm not surprised it's a little bit smaller of a camp as it is two games. I'm not going to make any point predictions, but I will say uh, I'm excited at the opportunity to play Mexico at home at this point, despite missing uh, Gio Reyna, despite missing Sergino Dest. And then for the second game, Jamaica has improved since we played them. Uh, prior to playing them... Uh, at home that 2 nothing win in October in, in the last window they did go and draw Canada at home and then they went to Honduras and picked up three points so they've improved since the last time we met them I still am hoping that our quality is enough to, to get us the three points but we'll see I, I think with less tired legs uh, not that we had tired legs against them the first time but I mean typically in the in the last game of these windows uh, that's an excuse that has often been thrown out there, the tired legs. But in a two-game window, I would be I would be hoping to, uh, to to take three points or at least put in a solid performance in Jamaica. And now, since I've a few times talked about Gio Reyna's injury, I just want to talk a little bit about a dual national, uh, a bit of dual national news that I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard. Alex Mighton is seemingly uh, has declared um, some sort of commitment to the U.S. men's national team, not publicly. But there are rumors going around uh, that he has joined, or excuse me, Greg has convinced him to join. Uh, Greg and his staff has, has won over another dual national. He's a 19-year-old at Nottingham Forest in the, in the English Championship. And he's certainly an exciting player. With Gio Reyna out, and like I said, the, the winger depth is pretty short here. We've got Paul Ariola, we've got Brendan Aronson, we've got Pulisic, and we've got Wea. Greg Berhalter has said Wea may or could play centrally at least. For the U.S. men's national team. So short on depth here in my opinion. And uh, I think it's an exciting player to win over Alex Might. He has played for the English youth teams from I believe age 15 up to the U20s. Every age 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So uh, that's exciting. He, he was going to be called into this U20 camp. Um, but apparently has pulled out due to his commitment to the U.S. men's national team in the future. Again, nothing official on this, but rumors swirling around England and the United States that that is the case. Now, with Greg not calling in a player like Conrad, I would like to say Alex Mighton is sort of similar in the sense that he likes to take a player on, uh, and that is a lot of his game, right? Like Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna don't mind taking a player on. Christian Pulisic obviously more so. 
uh, Aronson, similar way, a similar right. That's a lot of what a winger has to do is take on a fullback if they're able to isolate them. Whereas, of course, Conrad, that is his game, taking on the player, whether it be to the byline to look for a cutback or find a player at the top of the box, whatever the case may be. Mighton is similar in terms of excitement where he, as soon as he gets a, a defender isolated, I'm pretty certain he's going to be taking them on. Again, not sure if and when we see him in the upcoming um, U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifying windows, but uh, it's an exciting get of all the dual nationals. He would have been top five. Um, of course, there's some other big ones, but he's an exciting player. Uh, what does Greg think of, right? You know, especially in this camp, we're not even seeing Conrad come in. So, And again, they're not the same player, of course. I think Mighton's going to do... He'll probably make some more runs in behind. I think he's more of a runner than Conrad is. And I think Greg is not upset, of course, with Conrad's ability to be players 1v1. I think it, it more so comes that that is most of what his game is, which, again, isn't a bad thing. It can be super effective in the right system. And if he gets the ball in the right places and, and the system suits him a little bit better than it does now. But I think Mighton does a little bit more of what Greg wants, perhaps. And I'm not meaning to compare the two um, directly. It's just that if I were to compare him to anybody, I think I would probably choose Conrad of all our winger options right now. I wouldn't choose Pulisic, Reyna. I wouldn't choose Aronson. So um, that that's where I lie with that. Uh, and it would be interesting if Greg's talking to him and with Reyna out, it's interesting to see if Greg might call a player like that up in, in upcoming windows. And transitioning swiftly into other dual nats and other young players. Like I said, I'd like to talk a little bit about the, the U20 cycle starting. I'm recording this episode on Wednesday, which is when it will release. Um, so depending on when you listen to this, if you get to it early enough, this you'll hear it before the Revelations Cup. But if not, uh, a little rundown on a bit of the roster, and it's really exciting. Like I said, transitioning to dual nationals. Malik Sinogo of Union Berlin, who has played with the first team in friendlies despite being 17 years old uh, and is really probably the top talent at Union Berlin right now, top young talent. He has, he's with the U-20s now. Of course, he has he, he has played with Germany recently, the German youth national teams, and he's a good young player. He's a striker. He's a nine, uh, and he's really the highlight of a really exciting attack for the U-20 team, uh, which includes Dante Sealy at PSV Eindhoven, who's been doing really well at Jean PSV since since leaving on loan from FC Dallas. I believe it's a two-year loan with obligation to buy, but uh, he's been doing really well with Zhang PSV. He has a hat-trick for them, despite moving there in the summer. Cade Cowell, of course, of the San Jose Earthquakes, and despite the Earthquakes not making the playoffs, he finished the season as strongly as he started it, if you'll remember how he started the season. He was scoring some really exciting goals uh, early on and picking up a few assists as well. He, I expect... Uh, Dante, Sealy, Malik Sinogo, Cade Cowell to potentially be a front three. But Quinn Sullivan at the Philadelphia Union is another really impressive player who I think has a European future. Uh, and then the midfield, again, is just as fun. Paxton Aronson, Philadelphia Union, he came on uh, on decision day of MLS against NYCFC. When NYCFC were down to 10, Philadelphia were still looking a little clueless despite being a man up. Um, NYCFC sort of dominated a lot of the second half despite being a man down for a bunch of it. Pax Narenson came on, and he was a real difference maker. He was popping up everywhere on the field. Of course, Brendan Narenson's younger brother. Um, uh, he's an exciting player, and I'm excited to see him with the U.S. Um, the the under-20s. The exciting thing about this is 
a lot of these under 20s we weren't able to see with the under 17s because they're 17, 18 years old, some of them now. Uh, and of course, COVID uh, sort of ruins what the, uh, the, U the youth national teams would have told us about a lot of these young players. Um, so Pax Narenson, Caden Clark, um, those are some of the, the players you could expect to see in more advanced roles, of course. Um, Jack McGlynn, another player who probably has a future in Europe, at least based on what we're hearing from, from all the Philadelphia coaches, from what we've heard through their academy and what he's shown with the first team. Again, Quinn Sullivan, Jack McGlynn, Pax Narenson, all Philadelphia Union kids. Uh, many people say that they've sort of, they might be FC Dallas in terms of exporting talent to Europe. Uh, and of course, they've started that already with Brendan Aronson, Paxton's older brother, and Mark McKenzie. So that's an exciting trio. Like I said, I expect Sealy, uh, Sunogo, and Cowell to be an exciting trio as well. And then we've got some other fun young players, Daniel Edelman, uh, who of course sees himself in Europe in the future. He's made that clear. Danny Leva of Seattle Sounders. Many people will probably know he's been around for, for a few years now. Diego Luna, who's had an impressive season in the USL with El Paso Locomotive. He joins. Um, and then Rokas Pukstas, who I'm sure I just said the last name of wrong. Uh, he's playing in Croatia, uh, the UEFA Youth League. He's popped in a goal there, I believe. Justin Shea, again, another player who we're expecting to head to Europe, potentially Bayern Munich in january in just a couple of months he's probably the biggest name here caleb wiley a lot of people have compared him to george bellow previously center back left back um for atlanta united too fun player and then gabriel slonina excuse me of chicago fire who towards the the tail end of this season has at 17 years old put in a few clean sheets for chicago who of course are not a, a playoff team so to put in a few a few clean sheets for them was impressive. And then Alexander Borto, some people may know, he's at Fulham. Um, both him and Slonina are the lone two keepers for this Revelations Cup. And in the Revelations Cup, there is going to be three games. Uh, today, like I said, Wednesday at the time of recording, we'll be taking on Brazil. Three days later, Colombia. And three days later, Mexico. So some exciting teams to play some exciting youth teams who always produce good young talent uh, i think it's a good quartet of teams and i'm excited to see I'm, I'm excited to see this generation like i said covid sort of took away this team's u17 class um and, and there's some really good young exciting players and i'm hoping to see uh against brazil even on that first that first day today I'm excited to see to see some of the young talent who will probably have a say in the U.S. men's national team in the next cycle, heading into the home World Cup in 2026 on U.S. soil or North American soil, I should say. So some exciting dual nets at U20 and senior level for the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. youth national team. Uh, of course, some some local MLS players. I'm excited to see, again, probably European futures, but 17, 18 years old in MLS now. Very exciting to see. I'm excited to see, honestly, I'm excited to see the U20s as much as I am the upcoming window with Mexico and Jamaica. So uh, it'll be exciting. Of course, that's probably not many people who are going to say the same as that. Of course, USA-Mexico at home is probably the most exciting fixture we could have in the World Cup qualifiers. But nonetheless, some exciting things going on this week for the U.S. men's national team. And next time we talk, we will have the results of 
Mexico, Jamaica, and we will know a little bit more about the U-20 cycle that is starting now. So if you've made it this far, I do appreciate you listening. Like I say, exciting week for U.S. soccer, and I can't wait to reconvene in a week and talk about it some more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.